Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Roundtable, the podcasts and the video available for you guys. We hope that you're enjoying it. Um, if you ever have any questions at all, I just want to remind you to contact us at AmeliaBaptist.org for any questions or uh, info, what's going on in our church or in the surrounding community. We would love to answer your questions here in Nassau County. So the main thing, the, the main reason why we get together, why we do what we do is we want you to know Jesus Christ. And so um, we have a really, really exciting episode today on the Roundtables. Um, I'm personally incredibly excited about this. As someone who's only been a pastor uh, for less than one decade, I get to sort of be a mediator and spectator as I sit across the table from two men that I admire very much. Uh, today, we have Pastor Lynn Hyatt and his wife Peggy from First Baptist Church Callahan and Pastor Neil Helton from Amelia Baptist Church. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Hello. It's good to be here. I'm glad that you guys are here <laughs> with us. Uh, pastor Lynn, how long have you served as lead pastor at uh, First Baptist Church Callahan? Uh, July will be 42 years. Wow, that's incredible. And Pastor Neil, you're sitting, what, 31 is what we got? Yes. I know. It's it. only been 30. I mean, it's only, he, it's I only been 30. I shouldn't let him go first. I, I, I know. It, that was a real like, bad timing. I'm, I'm already depressed. Own. Yeah, it was, usually you're able to walk into a room and go, 31. And everybody goes, Ooh. wow, that's incredible. And then Pastor Lynn has to start go, us off. Yeah. Huh? Unbelievable. Well, I hope that sticks. Um, I should say, because here's the thing, is you never know who's going to, watch one of these or who's listening to one of these um, uh, on all the formats, thanks to Clay. But we we want to know. I know why this is impressive. And I know that this is a work of the Lord. I know that it is the Lord who gets all the glory for f- over 40 years of being a lead pastor at one church and over 30 years of being the lead pastor of over at one church. Um, but it's so impressive because ministry is really hard. Uh, pastoral ministry specifically is really hard. I always remember Paul David Tripp and his book, Dangerous Calling, and how he's written it because he wants to motivate and encourage young pastors, but he also wants to be very real and honest with them about what goes into it. So sort of the premise of our episode today is to talk very plainly and sort of just realistically looking at two men who have done something that a lot of pastors just incredibly admire uh, serving in one body or at one body of believers, uh, First Baptist Church, Callahan and Emily Baptist Church for that long and still loving what you do and still loving seeing the ministries thrive in your church. I think that's the most important part. So we're going to start with some background stuff. Pastor Lynn, we're going to let you go first, brother. Um, how and when were you called to the ministry? Well, for me, Adam, it was a process. Um, Somewhere around 1974, 75, I was a sophomore in college, and we had a chapel speaker who spoke from Ezekiel 37 on the Valley of the Dry Bones and the Word of the Lord making those dry bones live again. And the way he applied it was he said, we have to have men who will be faithful to proclaim God's Word so that people can understand how they can have life again. And so... That began that process, and then there were multiple events after that. But that was that was the first time I was really aware uh, and conscious of the fact that God might have something special for me to do in terms of serving Him. Wow! And uh, was First Baptist Church Callahan was where was that in the list of churches that you had served? Was that a, one of the first churches that you had served as lead pastor? 
When I graduated from seminary in May of 1978, I served for 13 months as a student pastor in Central Florida, and it only took me 13 months to figure out God had not called me to student ministry. Just 13, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then in July of 79, uh, we came to Callahan. Oh, wow. So this is, this is our first lead pastor role, uh, our only lead pastor that role. you're still in after, yeah. after 40 years. Wow, that's incredible. You don't hear that story a whole lot. Not and a lot. Neil, you, you've had lead pastor positions before Amelia Baptist, right? Well, I was the only pastor. So, I mean, if you want, if you want to look at lead means that there's somebody else who's going to follow, uh, you know, I was the only uh, Doesn't it shepherd. sound better when I say lead, though? You, you know, we've been studying about that, and I don't know if, uh, if, if, I'm, if I want to hold that title right, exactly. very tightly. Yeah. Let's just say pastor. Yeah, I like you that. you've been at a couple churches before Millie Baptist. Yes, both of them were rural churches mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing some of my uh, graduate work in uh, a couple of places. Um, I had been a staff member before then, a minister of music. Uh, my degree originally was in music. And then while I was at seminary, my wife and I were ministers of music in the 70s, which was unheard of to have a couple to be in ministry together and to have actually a female who was on staff mm-hmm. that had a very public um, image to have to work through as sure. far as the culture was concerned. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I uh, became pastor in a small rural church in the bend of a river, a green river up in Kentucky. Mm. And um, it was it was very enlightening. The people were very loving. Uh, We got along great for the two years while I was doing my my uh, my work there. Um, But I learned a lot like to go along the green river and to collect traps because this guy was one guy was a trapper. And so we got to see his animals hanging. uh, No, yeah, we're we're talking about out. It was past the country. And it was 1991. (laughs) What was the year you got called? All right. uh, Called in Lee Baptist, 1991? uh, 1990s, September 1990. Okay, perfect. So that's been 31 years. Yeah. Uh, And you and Pam served faithfully in ministry for over 40, though. That's right. So we're still talking to two men who've been in ministry well over 40 years and still love what they do. I'm keying in on this, and I'm going to let you guys really do the talking uh, from here on out because I'm interested to know uh, these answers uh, from, from my perspective on life and where we are. Uh, but, Pastor, I'm going to start with you since Pastor Lynn's our guest. And then, uh, and then Pastor Lynn, I want you to feel free to interject anytime you want. And the same thing goes for you, Pastor Neil, when I direct a question to Pastor Lynn. But, Pastor Neil, what's the hardest thing about pastoral ministry? I'm glad I'm leading off because I would have to follow Lynn because uh, he probably is going to say almost the same thing (laughs) now, even though we're totally different. Uh, Look, we both preach, don't we, Lynn? Mm -hmm. And we teach. We go to the hospitals. We do weddings, funerals, baptisms. We talk to people who struggle with their faith. Uh, We lead meetings. We help the community of faith discover their vision. We try to help them to accomplish what God wants them to do. We weep with them. We rejoice with them. We deal with death and dying. But for me, the hardest thing for me is saying no. Hmm. Oh, wow. You want to elaborate on that? Well, you say no to two places. Number one, a lot of people want you to do a lot of things. Hmm. And the other is you want to do a lot of things. Hmm. And you can do so many things that you can ruin your ministry. You can Hmm. ruin your health. You can ruin your family. 
And uh, Lynn and I would not be in this position if we didn't love what we do. Mm. Mm. Yep. But just saying no has been the hardest for me. Yeah. For me, it's I, I'm a list person and nothing nothing gives me more fulfillment than checking off things on that list. Uh, and in ministry, as all of us know, uh, the unfinished task, uh, you're never you're you're never done. Uh, there's always another visit that could be made, always another phone call that could be made, always another sermon to prepare, always another <laughs> Bible study, uh, always, always someone who has a problem that is theirs, but they want it to be yours uh, so, that, uh, so that you can help them with it. They're the unfinished task, because I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to walk away from something at the end of the day and be able to look back at it and say, got it done, got it done. And piggybacking on what Neil said, uh, having to, for me, one of the hardest things has been having to learn to accept the fact that I am not able to do everything. I grew up under a pastor who spent 60 years at the same church. Holy cow. Uh, two weeks after his 60th pastoral anniversary, he went home to be with the Lord. Um, and this man, he was a machine. There, there was no end for him. Um, and, and so that was my model. Wow. And then I had my father-in-law for a model who was wired the same way. Pastor Homer Lindsay. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I want to be like my heroes, you know. But I finally had to come to the realization I'm not my heroes. I'm Lynn. Mm. And Peggy put it this way earlier today. She said, I believe one of the hardest things is being yourself and accepting that you are who you are and not trying to be who other people want to pigeonhole you oh, to wow. be. That's exactly right. That's a really good way of putting that. And I could, I could speak another hour on how that resonates with Well, that shows pastors. the difference between uh, Lynn and me. He is, he, he's task-oriented, mm -hmm. and, and he's very relational, or he wouldn't be able to stay in one place. But I'm relationship-driven mm -hmm. that you have to force me to do the task. Mm. Right. And yeah, so yeah. we approach ministry totally different, yep. but the end result is that God is glorified according to our personalities mm -hmm. and our and our gifts. Absolutely. And you'll see why I'm directing sort of some of these a certain way. But one thing I can tell you is there's a lot of young bucks out of seminary anxious to preach like their heroes who are people pleasers. So saying no to people is killing them. And at the same time, they're list makers. So they have this high accomplishment goal, right? Very task oriented people, yeah. um, nuts and bolts kids, but they're coming out also with their approval in man. Hmm. And I think that there is nothing like a short lived pastorate when it comes to approval of man over the approval of God. And, and so that, that, that is the real danger. I think, uh, speaking of that, uh, pastor Lynn, what are the benefits of consistency and longevity that you've seen like and i mean this in a way where surely there have been other churches pursuing you over the last 30 40 years um why stick it out with one body of believers that why, why why choose first baptist church callahan for 40 years oh uh, why trade why trade the devil you don't know for the devil you do know uh, <laughs> uh no um the benefits for me, uh, I was 24, Peggy was 19, and we had been married five months when we went to Callahan. 
um, our people raised us, so they know us. Um, I, I'm, I'm now doing funerals for people who were in their 40s when I went there, 30s and 40s when I went there. Um, so you know the people, the people know you, you've walked through hell and back, mm -hmm. you know, as far as earthly trials are concerned with them. Uh, there is a trust, as, as Neil has come to experience, I th know the same thing. There's a trust factor when you've been willing to, to stick it out. Um, now, now, that's a double-edged sword because I tell our guys on staff and our lay leadership, listen, before we put something before the church, we have to know that we know it's God's will. Because if the leadership brings it to the church, 99.999% of the time they're going to go for it because the trust factor is so high. So relationships are strong. Uh, they, they, they are forgiving uh, when, you're, when you're transparent with them about the failures. That, well, this was a bad decision. I'm sorry. Hmm. You know, we tried this and it didn't work. Uh, so we've learned another way not to do it. Right. Uh, but but the folks the folks trust you, and for me that's one of the greatest blessings of longevity. Would you guys take some time every year, every couple of years, and not necessarily second guess, but being in the will of God is obviously incredibly important to you guys, and sort of pray and meditate on some of those decisions to stay another year. Was it ever something became annual like that? Or no. Um, when we went to Callahan, we were committed to staying there as long as God wanted us there. Okay. Um, now, we didn't expect that it would be this long. <laughs> uh, we, you know, it's just not the typical situation. But we were willing to stay and invest our life. And I think that's the key thing. You've got to be willing uh, whatever God's will is, and then you let God make it obvious if he wants to direct you somewhere else. We had, we had some other churches contact us along the way, and man, I, I entertained one of them probably more so than any other, thinking that, you know, God may very, it, it was a bad time. Uh, we were going through a little rough patch ministry-wise, and so I guess I was more open to it at that point. But God slammed the door so hard there was no doubt, and so we we never look back. Uh, we we know that that we are where God wants us to be. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of you got to make it so obvious to me, God, I can't miss it, uh, kind of guy. And uh, he's he's never he's never given us a green light. Wow. Um, so that would also sort of Neil. I, I know you well. And when you're asked about consistently longevity, I'm hearing this similar, similar answer from Pastor Lynn that these relationships were of such incredible value. And if I can speak frankly, um, in sort of a modern church era, it seems that um, especially the bigger the church, uh, relationships are one of the first things to sort of get sacrificed, uh, especially when a church is tempted to sort of run like a CEO and not as a pastor who's genuinely caring for his people, uh, committing to these funerals for people he's known 40 plus years. Uh, what do you do with that when, when people are asking, how do I make it all about relationships? How do I stay connected with people as two men who have been serving at the same church for as long as you guys have? 
Boy, that is an individual answer. Uh, just the observation that you're a task-oriented person and I'm a relationship. Um, both of those have their own um, downfalls, you know. And the uh, for me, it has been enriching to walk through not only the sorrows of the congregation, but they have walked with us through some of the trials. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been times through these 30 years that I didn't beg God at all to take me to, you know, away from the church. But I did ask him, am I supposed to stay here? Because I had <clears throat> I didn't know where to go from where we were. And we didn't have elders then, so that there wasn't a real group of solid elderly, uh, you know, mature, not elderly, but mature uh, leaders in the church that we could all come to the table and talk about the vision for the future. Because I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not that CEO who can see the way it's supposed to be and then uh, put flesh and blood on it, you know, and bones and structure it and say, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. That is not me. So God has been able to surround me with men like that so that we can talk it through. And then I can minister out of my own giftedness and my own personality, the way that God has uh, shaped me. Uh, while some of the other leaders in the church, they do what they do best, and I take my hands off it. Right. Pastor Lynn, do you echo that when it comes yes, to definitely. The, the, definitely. the vital necessity of your staff and who your staff is as to why you've been able to do the long haul? Without a doubt. I would, I would probably not have lasted as long as I have in ministry, period, if I had not had supportive, loving staff members who were gifted in very different ways from me. I was telling early in our ministry in Callahan, I was telling a, um, an evangelist friend, um, I, I said, I think I've taken the church as far as I can take it administratively. That's probably my weakest, weakest area. And I said, I think I've taken it as far as I can take it. And I think to move forward, they need someone else with a stronger giftedness there. Mm -hmm. And his response to me was, no, that's not what you need to do. He said, you don't have to be good at everything. You have to surround yourself with people who are good in the areas where you're not. Mm. And man, that has stuck with me now for 30-something years uh, and has been such a blessing because when you see something that needs to be done in the church, your pastor's heart wants to take it and do it because that's who you are, you know. Um, but to realize that God has shaped every single one of us, and that's an excellent way to put it, Neil. He has shaped every one of us uniquely. And those people that he brings around us are there to strengthen us in areas where, where we may not be as strong as they are. Neil, you look like you're about to eat your microphone while he was talking. Man. No, I'm just, I want to say amen. And, you know, of course, I, I, I'm not very Pentecostal in the way I express <laughs> myself, but uh, uh, it's glory. It is, yeah, glory. That's exactly right. The podcast is non denominational. <laughs> you're fine. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's a, I, I think that is so incredible. It's liberating, important. is what it is. Exactly. I, I think these guys, and that kind of goes into this other question um, story after story, we see ministry burnout, 
Um, and this is something where I think younger pastors need to turn to pastors like the two of you. Um, I was on Twitter and a few other social networks putting this question out, telling everybody what we were going to be recording today and trying to get a feel for if you had any questions. I was jotting down a few things that I'd always wanted to know and things that Neil and I talk about on a weekly basis, but I was really anxious to kind of get a a different perspective. And um, the number one question from about 15 to 20 different young pastors all over the world, from Arizona to Ohio, down to Georgia, down to here, was the number one uh, question was, how do you avoid ministry burnout after 40 years um, of preaching? Because what's lighting up our news feeds are pastors quitting five years. Uh, one out of four pastors who start seminary don't finish it. And then there's an even no, there's another 10% who start ministry don't finish after 10 years. And here you guys are sitting on decades of pastoral ministry. And I know your quick answer is going to be, by the grace of God. I know that, and I think they know that. But anything you can tell this pastor who's listening right now who feels like he's absolutely at his wit's end? Discouragement is real. Um, And anyone who goes into ministry thinking that it's always going to be an emotional high is going in with their eyes closed. Uh, They they need someone to help them open their eyes and see the reality. Um, I have not avoided discouragement. um, And this is something that I have shared a little bit with our church family and Peggy's aware of. But uh, pretty much all my life, I've struggled with some level of depression. And so discouragement kicks in, and it, it, when, when discouragement kicks in, it's very easy to, to jump off that cliff. Um, so I, I, I could have very easily been one of those stats. Um, but what I learned pretty early on is when you're discouraged, you need to find encouragement. Uh, when discouragement seems like all you can see, you need to find encouragement. And for me, that has been uh, obviously the prayer and loving support of a godly wife. Um, uh, God's word, uh, God's word is so real to me. Um, when I'm hurting, uh, when I'm struggling, uh, there's always something there to meet that need if I will avail myself. Mm-hmm. And ask his Holy Spirit to show me. And then also, uh, I was blessed with older, wiser pastors, especially in those early years, uh, who would come alongside of me in those in those times of discouragement. I'll never forget Peggy's granddad. Uh, I, I was complaining one day about the people not being willing to follow me on some particular issue. I'm sure it was something really, really important. I'm sure you, know? you were right. Whatever it, was. Uh, whatever it was, I had to be right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was complaining about it. And uh, I, I told him, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in there guns blazing and all of this. And he said, well, Lynn, you might want to think about this. He said, there are two ways to remove a stump if you're a farmer. I thought, what in the world's this got to do with <laughs> And uh, I, I said, well, what do you mean, Granddad? He said, well, you can use dynamite, which sounds like what you want to do. It's very effective. You'll remove the stump, but you'll tear up everything else around it. He said, or you can just keep plowing around that stump, keep working around that stump. One day you'll be able to walk by that stump and just kick it over because it will have rotted. And... Uh, I changed my plans for how I was going to handle that problem. (laughs) And so I just plowed around the stump and kept plowing around the stump. Mm -hmm. And so uh, things like that, that that people, simple little things that people would speak into my life uh, to encourage me. Uh, Burnout 
I, I think all of those things have kept me from burnout. Uh, some practical things that I think keep you from burnout is don't neglect your personal walk with the Lord for your professional preparation. That's right. Uh, I, I think a lot of guys go to the Bible looking for their next sermon when what you what I need to do is go to the Bible looking for my next love letter that I receive from my from my heavenly Father. Um, so that uh, I've also learned to take consistent days off on a weekly basis when possible obviously there are times that that gets interrupted but uh, I've, I've learned to do that and i've learned to take my vacations instead of leaving them on the books at the end of the year mm. uh, you, you've got to have time wow and then that comes you know from the perspective of a lot of people of, well why would you need a lot of time pastor you only work on sundays you know <laughs> uh, and i think everything we've said and, and i want to protect you two here um to be pastors the way you two have been pastors has deserved those that rest has deserved those days and if if pastors think I can come out of this seminary and go 110 mile per hour and I'm just never going to falter. And then they sort of blanket it in a, in a holiness like, well, you know, God's called me to this, so he'll equip me to this. He didn't call you to be dumb. This is, this is something you need to listen to. And if you're not under active mentorship, uh, where a pastor who has walked this way invests in you, let that be a lesson to the older pastors too. This isn't just a, a time to talk for the younger pastors. If you're an older pastor and you are investing in a younger pastor, remedy that. Um, and, and younger pastor, let lay down your pride and be open to that mentorship. I think this will help a camaraderie exist. I think that people are doing this in silos. They're doing this in competition and they're forgetting the mission in the, in the process. Um, and you mentioned something I wanted to touch on. I know Pastor Neil has no problem talking about it at all, but the importance of a godly woman. Proverbs 31, pastor, wife, uh, in this. This wasn't one of the questions that I gave you guys beforehand, but it came up and I find it very important myself. But how has that played a factor in 30 to 40 years of ministry? Well, for me, Pam was actually called into ministry, maybe not in a formal way to be a part of a church when she was just 12 years old. So she's always had a heart for ministry. In fact, when I met her, her single hero was Bertha Smith, mm -hmm. uh, a single woman, you know, missionary. And uh, she just wanted to glorify God. She wanted to be on mission. She wanted to, you know, do all these things. And then here I come with an evangelist playing my 12 string guitar and we're put together and we didn't like each other for, I don't know, for a while. And we decided <laughs> to get married so that we could learn to like each other. But the thing that happened was that God convinced both of us that we could do more to glorify God together. Hmm than we could individually and apart. So our, uh, our courtship was actually based on mutual desire to work with as a couple in ministry. And whether she was on staff and I was going to school or we were on staff together or I was on staff by myself and she was, we were always in partnership. Right. Um, it's just been a, a wonderful thing for us that Pam's skills in music and classical education um, actually fits this church 
Mm -hmm. Uh, You always have to know that do you fit the congregation? Does the congregation fit who you are? Uh, I mentioned earlier that I was in rural uh, congregations and uh, we we got along fine. We loved each other, but I was never one of them. And um, and so it was a calling and it was good and it had its time. But coming here, um, God began to build more of a ministry uh, that it, it's not that it suited me as much as I began to fit what God was creating mm-hmm. here. And then mm-hmm. Pam and I together uh, were fortunate enough for the congregation and the people to see the value of us working together. So, uh, it, you know, and I don't know how to express that any better. Yeah. Um, and so she is my soulmate on a lot of different levels. Right. Yeah. And it's unusual. And I get that. I couldn't do what I do without Peggy. Um, At least I I mean, I know God's grace is sufficient for whatever position he puts you in, but uh, I I can't see it at all. Um, Peggy Peggy showed me, um, I, I grew up in church my whole life. But uh, when Peggy and I got married, I, I tell folks I thought I was moving in with Peggy, but what I found is that I'd moved in with Jesus <laughs> and in Jesus in Peggy. And really, Peggy uh, is the one who showed me that I was a lost religious man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I ended up coming to know the Lord more than anything else through the influence of watching her daily walk with Christ. Wow that uh, I had that form of godliness, but my life denied the power of it. Yeah. Uh, and in her case, it was, uh, it, it was powerful. Oh. Um, and, and so um, I, I, I will always be thankful to God for, for using her in, in that way because that, that was a pride killer. Uh, I had to, had to swallow a lot of pride to be willing to say, yeah, you're this, you're that, you're the other, but uh, you don't know Jesus. And uh, so I, I, I thank God daily for her ministry because there are people, Neil is a relationship person, I'm the task person, Peggy is a relationship person. People will call and Pam her. Pam is a task person. Yeah, yeah opposites. <laughs> yeah, uh, people will call her much more readily than they will me. Yeah. And it's not because they don't love me, and it's not because they don't respect me, but it's because of that giftedness she has that that's just an open door. So ministry uh, without the right support person yeah. alongside of you. Uh, I, now, I know there's some guys that God calls to singleness, and I say, God bless them. Sure. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> praise God for you. I'm glad he didn't call me to it. Uh, <laughs> And so to, to, to try to think of Callahan uh, First Baptist Church without Peggy Sue being in the mix mm-hmm. is, uh, is just not, it's not on my radar anywhere. It's, it's, uh, it's always interesting to me when you see a pastor um, who just loves his job. Uh, one of the common denominators is a godly wife. Who's, who's been there and stuck it out with him and ministered to people in such a great way. And so I just think that's so, such an incredible testimony as well as a great reminder for your congregations who might be lifting you up in prayer. 
please lift our wives up in prayer just as much, if not more so. Um, just Sometimes it's harder on them. Exactly. Watching us go through whatever mm. yep. is church-related, relationships, a falling out within the body. Mm. Um, and I tell you, it's, uh, you do need to be praying for our, you know, our wives. And, yeah. For several yeah. reasons. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. Number one, they're married to us. Like personality. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I think she did pretty good myself. My self-esteem was all right. I would like to go back to one thing about the discouragement. Please. Um, Lynn, you know, just, you know, confessed in front of God and the whole world, you know, that he, he, he has these bouts every so often. I just want to uh, say that if, if you suffer that way, you're in real good company. Hmm. Spurgeon suffered that way. Hmm. Uh, he's quoted as saying that uh, there's been times I wanted to cry like a little baby for an hour and I didn't even know why. Hmm. He couldn't put his finger on that there was something just going on. Right. And, um, and, and so when uh, he would distinguish between the feelings of discouragement, whatever the circumstances, whether it was coming from within right. or from without, that he believed that God was sovereign and that he would have found these afflictions debilitating if he didn't believe that God had a hand in it sure. to sanctify him mm. and to lead him so that he could lead his congregation. Right. And so um, it's, it's, you know, there's the emotional experiential side that makes us want to give up. Yeah. Uh, it's the old adage, you know, you're hanging on by your fingertips and you want to let go. And then you all of a sudden you find out that he's been hanging on to you the whole time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just want to encourage these young men yeah. out there and even some of these older men who are in churches and, and Lynn hears that a lot. They're in churches that are very difficult. Hmm. Now, being in ministry is a challenge within itself. But if you're well-loved, it makes it easier. That's right. But some of these men are not well-loved. That's right. Well and they do them. feel isolated. And I just want to encourage them uh, with the strongest terms of what Lynn said while ago. Discouragement is real. Mm -hmm. You cannot ignore it. But please know of God's providential love and care for you, even in the midst of it. That's great. That's absolutely true. Um, well, uh, coming to a close, a couple more. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for being a part of this today. But uh, I would be so remiss if I didn't ask this because this, is, I feel, is just on the tip of a lot of guys' tongues who are just starting out four or five years in the ministry. And uh, they're looking at 30, 40 years of preaching. And they're like, how in the world do you prepare to preach on Sunday? Like, how do you find series and book studies and what in your life, like what does your week look like preparing to preach every Sunday for 30 to 40 years? I think that can be the most daunting task when you've been called to the pulpit and the respect and the humility you have at the pulpit uh, for that task as messenger. Uh, how do you prepare for that? What does that look like for you, Pastor Lynn? Well, a lot of it hasn't changed. Some things have, but a lot of it hasn't changed in 40 years. Um, Oftentimes, it's a result of some need that I'm aware of within the church. 
it, it could be some need in the community that I determined this is something that we need to have a series uh, of messages on. Um, most of what I've done throughout my ministry has been verse by verse through books, mm -hmm. uh, expository preaching. Um, again, Peggy's daddy gave me some advice about that years ago. He said, you know, topical preaching is fine occasionally. There's a topic that needs to be addressed. But he said, if you preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, sooner or later, you'll get to all those topics. Um, so maybe that's another reason to stay 30 and 40 years, you get to all those topics. Um, so determining, determining what I'm going to preach, uh, the next series, uh, start out with prayer. And, and Peggy, Peggy's my prayer warrior. I'll, I'll often tell her, look, I don't have a clue where I'm going next. Uh, I need you to pray with me about what God what God would have me do. Uh, my pa my pattern for prep uh, is pretty much the same as it's always been. There's a little bit of fine tuning that you start with prayer uh, because what I perceive to be a need may not be. Uh, it may just be my limited perspective. And so uh, you pray and ask God what he would have you do. Uh, when I come to something, then I, I, I read the word. If it's, a, if it's a book study, I read it over and over and over, that book or that passage over and over and over again. Because before I can communicate to them what God's saying, I've got to know what God's saying. And then after I feel like I've written down what I think it is, then I compare what I arrived at with other people <laughs> uh, because all of us need a check. You know, you, the way cults get started is people having a, a perverted view of scripture. And if they right. had somebody to check them along the way, they might not, they might not mess up. Right. So uh, those things. And, and then for me, uh, how, how can I communicate this to my people in such a way that it will help them in their everyday life. Because if preaching isn't practical and helping them with what they're going to do this coming week, then why am I doing it? Right. That's a good point. And so one thing uh, specifically uh, when it comes to uh, sermon prep that I've found is uh, people keep getting in the way of my sermons. One of the most one of the most important things that uh, Pastor Neil ever said to me when my first years in was uh, I was frustrated over something and preparing for a sermon. I was only preaching once every seven or eight weeks at that point. I had no <laughs> idea what I was talking about, and uh, I'm just like, man, I just have not been able to uh, get to this sermon, prepare for the sermon well because people keep interrupting me. He's like, are people getting in the way of your ministry again? <laughs> you know, it was just this really slap you in the face rhetorical. Like I didn't really appreciate it, mm -hmm. you know, but it really, it stayed with me ever since of people are the ministry. And so I always think of the people while at the same time walking through proper biblical exegesis, not, not trying to implant what I want in the scriptures, but trying to be loyal to the scriptures and pull them out while at the same time, because I know my people, because of everything you guys have said about relationships and how you've known people for three or four decades, you know how they need to hear the information. You're not switching up the information. You're telling them, you're preaching. And that's, also, that's honestly the, the captivating part about local church ministry is that you're preaching to your people. And if that gets viral, if that goes somewhere and people find it in a different state, praise God, because that truth will, will work anywhere because it's the word of God. But you're preaching to your people. Do you find that important? It's, it's absolutely true. Um, 
someone even texted me after this past sermon or the, the, this uh, service that we had in the sermon. They said, man, uh, that sermon was so important. And I could tell you had so much energy. You need your people. I mean, I thought that was just totally opposite. Because more and more are coming back right now. You know, because, said, yeah. because she could see that I was receiving energy from the hearing of God's word. Amen. Nothing worse and, than and preaching so in an empty it was, room. You know, so uh, there, there was a synthesis going on uh, just between us because they know me and I know them. And I can bear my heart and I can say something that it may even emote through uh, the exposition, mm -hmm. but they can tell if it was just an academic or if it was personal. I'm going to end on a couple things. One big change that you'd make in the last 40 years. Uh, one big change, uh, looking at the past 30, 40 years of ministry, uh, what would that be? Wow. There's been so many, so many changes. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think my open, the, the need to be open to using felt need ministries to create opportunities for spiritual input. Mm -hmm. um, when, I was, when I was growing up, uh, we heard a lot about the social gospel and uh, how people's needs were being their emotional or their physical needs were being addressed and helped. Uh, but that the Bible and, and spiritual things were being uh, cast aside and, and there was no effort to share uh, the truth of, of God's word and the plan that hey, he has for our lives. And so I kind of rebelled against that in my early years of ministry and for a long, long time because I felt like any effort in that regard, I was watering down what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. and, and I tend to be an extreme guy like stuff like that. So, What's that like? Uh, yeah, really. So, uh, so to recognize, and my, our kids, uh, our, our kids have taught us more about that. A, a few years ago, our daughter and the whole family was around the dinner table at our house. And uh, our daughter said, Dad, I want to tell you about a new ministry that I'm getting involved in. And so any pastor gets excited when their kid talks about getting involved in ministry. And, and I said, well, great. What is it? She said, I'm going to be going to strip clubs, building relationships with the dancers so that we have the opportunity to share Christ with wow. them. Well, that was a what are you talking about moment? <laughs> you know? stop yeah, I think I need to go to the restroom. Uh, Can we say that? Uh, it's not a nominational podcast. Yeah. Good night. So, so, and then watching, watching our son, um, watching our son in his business, and just recently he had a vet uh, a military vet uh, that he was doing business with, and the vet had uh, was having a real struggle emotionally, having some PTSD. And my my son was able to take the time to minister to him and to pray with him, and he would not have had that footing, not, would not have had that ground to to try to minister to him if he hadn't been sensitive to what was going on in the guy's uh, emotional life. So I, I've come full circle and, and, and yeah, we want to share Jesus. I love that. I think that's a great if we answer. don't share Jesus, we're missing the point. But 
sometimes you gotta you gotta get a get through the door with something else in order to do that. And that change turned into a major encouragement to a lot of people listening. Keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, because yeah, what a temptation to try to switch it up or change it up in all these ways, man. What about you, Pastor Neil? Any any big look back and yeah, what, there's one thing I would have changed. And that is that I was hiring me. I wouldn't change that. Okay, good. It's what uh, Lynn referred to earlier in this conversation. Don't mix your Bible study preparation with personal devotional meditation on God's Word. Amen. I, um, I didn't do that for decades. And uh, I was running dry. I didn't understand why I was running dry. Wow. And uh, this is where our spouses come in. And uh, if Peggy is anything like for Lynn that Pam is for me, she is much more consistent in her devotional studies and her prayer life than I am. And uh, I wish I would have paid a lot more attention to that in Pam's life earlier. But I just resisted it. Um, and so that would have been the biggest change. And I guess in my senior years, uh, we just take more time in the morning before we come to the office just to read. Mm-hmm. Just to read. Well, that's incredible. Um, Pastor Homer Lindsay was at First Baptist Church, Jacks for how long was that? Well, there were two of them. That's right. <laughs> it was senior and junior. Peggy's dad. 30-something years. Right. I ran into someone the other day, and this is, uh, this is all ties in, ran into someone the other day who said that they were a little girl in Ohio, and they remember nationally syndicated Homer Lindsay on the screen <laughs> uh, <laughs> preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she said it was through his preaching that she received uh, faith Amen. in Christ Jesus. Um, I say that because uh, two reasons. One, we have no idea how God can use us and the, the length God can use us. So we have to be loyal and faithful to the gospel. Uh, if anything can shadow all of this other junk that everybody's talking about in our circles and hmm. our convention and what's discouraging everyone, it's because the main thing has stopped being the main thing. That's right. And I think we, if anything, we're, we might be separated by the distance of a county, but we are together in mission. And I think that is what people need to hear is to keep the gospel main thing and to never know your reach. Just trust the Lord. Um, And also, as a personal note to end on, how in the world did it feel marrying the daughter of Homer Lindsay as a pastor? I mean, I cannot think of a more intimidating situation. I would be terrified. I waited to (laughs) ask him until we were driving across the Hart Bridge, the Matthews Bridge, excuse me. And I figured if he said no or he got upset, I can't swim. So it would be a quick death and over the side of the bridge and (laughs) everything would be cool. Um, But, yeah, that was pretty intimidating. But he was the man in the pulpit and the man at the house, uh, while the same spiritually in the heart for God was the same, uh, he was much more personable. Uh, and uh, didn't come across as that authority figure quite as much. 
uh, because Shirley was in charge at home. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so we found a constant prayer. There we go. Right? Right. Another powerful pastor's life. Here, here's the thing, Adam. When I found out that Shirley liked me, mm-hmm. I knew I was in like Flynn, man. There you because, go, man. You know, in like Lynn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line, too, and, and, and you can't say this about yourselves, so allow me to end this this way. Um, the reason why guys my age feel like we can keep going first and foremost is because of our love for Christ Jesus and our love for people wanting to know, wanting them to know Christ and wanting them to grow in their relationship with Christ. That's, that's the why mainly, but what God uses are testimonies like the two of you living, walking sacrifices of men who've shown us that you can love this calling three to four decades into it. I don't think you realize, I'm just going to tell you how that impacts guys struggling within the first 10, 12 years of their ministry and on. And so I just want to commend you. I know that you guys hate that and you're not here for that. And I know that's not part of the deal, but thank you on behalf of everyone you've served because you don't know your reaches either. You have no idea how many people you've influenced for the gospel, but my guess is it is massive. And so I'm just so thankful for a gospel that works and God's grace in calling you to to do what you do. And so I'm thankful that you're going to keep doing it in some degree or another. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. <laughs> got you guys promised that hesitation was not right. are we going to keep doing it? <laughs> no. no. We'll edit right that out. Yeah. But I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Adam. Table, Pastor Lynn, Miss Peggy, thank you so much for being here. Pastor Neil, always a pleasure. Everybody listening and watching, we are so thankful for you too. Thank you for making this uh, round table more and more listened to. I've seen more and more subscriptions and it being shared online more. So I just want to thank you so much for listening and being a part of what we're trying to do here, bringing face to face discussions and conversations back into the cultural zeitgeist and making sure that Jesus remains the main thing. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless.